content warning. This episode contains potentially sensitive topics for disordered eating, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse. We believe that these topics are important to discuss because they're real and pervasive. As always, we strive to approach these topics with respect and sensitivity to those who have suffered. If you're sensitive to any of these topics, please feel free to skip over them or skip over the whole episode if you must. Take care of yourselves out there. Hi, this is Shay. Hey, I'm April, and this is the Bitch Moms Book Club. A podcast about moms, motherhood, and parenting as portrayed in literature. Disclaimer, we're not above swearing or discussing graphic content. So if you're sensitive to that or have your kids or mother-in-law in the car, this may not be the podcast for you right now. How are you, Shay? Um, all right. I've reached the point. We're, we're recording this in summer, and I've reached the point in the summer where I have lost touch with all time. I, I basically know what day to take my kid to preschool, and I am like, I don't know what time of I don't know what day it is, so I feel a little bit out of it. You know, at this point of summer, we've spent all our money, so we don't go anywhere or do anything. It's the same all day, but I think I'm doing all right. How are you? Um, things are good here. Super simple. I got a couch cover yesterday and a new one for my little couch. We have been using like really highly patterned blankets and that makes my brain go crazy. And it is already so awesome. So I'm old. And so things like couch covers uh, get me excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Shay, tell me, tell me a bitch in peace. Uh, my, my kid is just always in my way, just constantly in my way. Like I turn around and he's there, try to cook dinner and he's there. We're like going down the hallway and he's literally in front of me. And I'm like, dude, get out of the way. But yeah, just in my way. And then, and then, he, and then I trip over him or step on him and he's like, mama. And I'm like, well, stopping him away. Yeah. Um, my bitch in peace is, oh, I need to bitch about the dishes. They are never freaking done. Why is it? that they are never done. I'm home a lot more now. And so I have noticed that, yes, we eat on more dishes, but I run the dishwasher every night and then I take it out the next day and somehow there are still dirty dishes around. And I have decluttered my dishes to the point of almost extreme audit. You cook a lot, like from scratch, from ingredients. And I do a lot of during lunch it's a lot of sandwiches and like chicken nuggets in the oven we're going to be moving that way now that they're home more during the day instead of at daycare but um yes i love to cook there's something really therapeutic and wonderful about it I used to do it with my mom but um speaking of doing cooking with my mother um one of the things that i and one of my precious moments from this week was um, having my kids, especially my daughter, um, help with cooking. Actually, not especially my daughter, because my son is actually more interested in it these days than she is, which I love. So he's at the age where he wants to help with every step. 
he loves to mimic and he is much more of a monkey see monkey do than my daughter ever was. And so I will like whisk something and then he'll go over and whisk something. And, um, and so this week I was teaching to crack eggs, which was, you know, precious and a bitchin moment. So, um, but he cracked an egg and opened it and like opened it into the thing and then looked at me like, mama did it. And I was like, yeah, you did it. And I fished out the shells and, you know, but he did it and he was just so excited. So that's my, that's my moment. Oh, so sweet. Uh, my precious moment, we were playing with chalk on our patio and my son said, let's draw, like, we'll draw balloons. So we were drawing balloons and then he's like, the house, like the balloons are going to float away. So he drew a house around it and he actually like extended the house and like drew more and then I like went inside to grab something and came back out and he like drew on a balloon all by himself. And it's like he's never drawn a recognizable figure before. So it was the first time he never drawn like a recognizable image. And it was so cute. And he was like, we're going to put strings on it. And then he was laughing hysterically because he was putting multiple strings on balloons and thought it was the funniest thing. Um, but yeah, I, I had to take a picture of it uh this was just so darling that he was drawing and not just scribbling for the first time i remember when my daughter did that it was it's like life-changing yeah he like he's always been so like when they you do your developmental check-in and they're like can he draw a line and i was like i don't know because we never do it <laughs> like it's just not something that we regularly do um and he just like doesn't care about drawing. But yeah, he did it that time. So now I can say it like a year later. That's awesome. What's a book that you've read to your son that recently that you've loved? Uh, yeah. So I am going to share this book, Solway, and we'll post a picture of it on our um, Insta. It is by Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, that Lupita Nyong'o from Black Panther and 12 Years a Slave and Us. Is that the movie she was on? This horror movie, um, and it's illustrated by Vashti Harrison, who is like a beautiful artist. Um, and it is the story of a little girl named Solway who is dark skinned, and she's the darkest person in her family, and she doesn't like it, and she wants to be lighter skinned, and she like puts her mom's makeup on and tries to eat light colored foods. Um, one night. A shooting star falls in her room and takes her on this journey through this legend about day and night who are sisters and everyone dislikes the dark night. And so night goes away and everyone realizes that night is actually like useful and we need night. Uh, and so night comes back and night and day are like really good sisters and they help all the people. And so by the end, Sule is you know, happy with her skin color. And so I just really love it. It is the illustrations alone are just beautiful. Uh, so it is a really lovely, like diverse book to have in your home. It's really beautiful to just look at. Uh, you should look up all of Vashti Harrison's books as well. Hers, a majority, if not all of her books are um, it, 
diverse focused. So she has a she has one book that we have called Follow Your Dreams, Little One. Um, and it's like um no plugging two books today. Uh, but it's uh famous black inventors and like not just inventors, but famous black people through history. Uh, and it's really cute. So Sule by Lupita Nyong'o uh, and illustrated by Vashti Harrison. That's awesome. Um, you actually gave Sule to my very white daughter mm-hmm. um, her third birthday and as well as a little um, doll who is black, um, who we called Solway. And um, because why not? And um, now that baby doll is my son's favorite baby doll. He loves that thing. We we read Solway a lot. We really like Solway too. It's a little bit long for my son right now, so we don't read it that often. Um, he's only just starting to like be invested in books, so it's finally paying off all that time reading books to him. <laughs> Uh, I was like, what am I going to do if I'm an English teacher and my son hates books? (laughs) But I don't know. Hopefully I'm indoctrinating him with a love of literature. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so speaking of books, uh, what grown-up book do you have for us today? Um, Today we are talking about I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Um, So this book... This book is hard for me. So I actually hated this book, but also it's really interesting. And I think it's important for people to read. So Jeanette does a really good job of like introducing her life. This is um, Sam from iCarly. I don't know if I did not grow up with watching iCarly, but I don't, maybe some of our. I only knew it because a lot of my roommates in college watched Disney and Nickelodeon shows. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I you can probably think which one I'm talking about. You're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh it was a roommate that April also I had one roommate that I lived with every year I was in college. And so there was some overlap between April and that roommate. Uh yeah. So she would watch it. Like otherwise I would have been like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but a lot of people also did not like this book. Um, so you're not alone. It it has very divisive reviews. Like people loved it or hated it. Well, and here's the thing is it's not like I hated her writing. Mostly I hate it because there are so many things that I feel very, very strongly about in this book. Um, so we're going to do a quick summary and then we're going to kind of get into some of the topics that she really covers. Um, so this book starts where um, Jeanette's mom is in a coma um, she, Jeanette tells her she's finally at 86 pounds or whatever that goal weight, 85, maybe, um, then begins to look back at, um, how this all started. So her mom wants her to do, be an actress because her mom always wanted to be an actress. So to make mom happy, Jeanette says she'll audition. Um, she loses an audition her first audition for Win dixie because she's not ethereal enough. Have you seen that movie? No, I read the book. I read the book too. And I watched the movie and Anna Sophia Robb, if you've watched, she was in Bridge to Terabithia. It's that girl that gets it. She is an ethereal beauty. Her eyes are like ginormous, but 
I get why she lost out to her. I mean, when it, when she said that, and I'm like, oh, I know who did it. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I read Winn-Dixie. I loved that book. I don't really remember a lot about that book. I should reread it. There's a dog in it. Well, you know that. It was on the cover, yeah. the original cover, at least. I think Elle Fanning is also in the movie. And that, like, old black lady that was in everything. What was her name? Oh, my gosh. I feel terrible. Cecily Tyson was in it. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go get that and read it again. So, yeah. So, she loses out um, to someone else because she's not ethereal enough. She's very much, like, girl next door. Well, they said she was too pretty to be androgynous. Like, she got a role as, like, a hermaphrodite child on some medical show was it er gray's anatomy was it gray's anatomy i don't remember one of those ones watched that episode oh yeah but she's like she almost doesn't get it because she's too pretty to be a hermaphrodite anyway uh yeah so she then starts getting more background roles and sort of gets typecast as like the sad girl extra and so she gets more and more extra parts and then she moves up and gets named extra parts um and then she gets her break as the supporting actress on iCarly where she becomes friends with Miranda but hates the show she also is like this show is stupid like it's not well written she's very like interested in storytelling she's like it's just not good it is a children's show and i think at that point she was like 15 or 16 she looked younger than she was um and then she goes through puberty it freaks her out opens up a whole new can of worms about her body image and all of that yep so then um during the writer strike she starts up a music career um starts a relationship with a much older man which is super icky Ugh. Um, she gets a spinoff show once the writer strikes over and Ariana Grande is her like counterpart. Um, and she hates her because she's out there. Ariana Grande is out there singing and she gets to like not be at filming sometimes. And Jeanette is like, hello, I'm here all the time. Um, and so, so yeah, so she hates that, but she gets her own apartment. She eventually gets a house and starts having a life, but she regrets having her house because it's like constantly under <laughs> under construction it's old and like needs a lot of work it's basically just always being renovated and she buys it because they're like it's a good investment and she's like i guess because i have money yeah and and she hated it um uh, and so she's living there um and then we have the scene we're back at the beginning we have the scene in the hospital where everyone is telling mom, like, here's this thing, hoping that their mom will wake up from her medically induced coma? Or was it just a plain old coma? I think she went into surgery and something went wrong or she didn't wake up. So I don't know if it was medically induced or as a result of... there The surgery happened and I don't know if they kept her asleep on purpose or if she just didn't wake up. So anyway, her mom dies. So she tells her mom the secret that nobody else knows. It's just between her and mom. She says, mom, I finally got down to our goal weight. And she's like in her 20s at this point, right? Yeah. 
so wild. I remember being like 14 and I was very small. And I remember like getting to high school and I was like, I'm finally a hundred pounds. <laughs> Kids are like tiny all the time, but yeah, she's, she's an adult at this point mm-hmm. and it's not healthy that she is 80 something pounds. It's really unhealthy. Cause I think she's not very sure. I think she's like, she's over five foot. So anyway, so after her mom dies, um, you know, she has a very complicated relationship with her mom. Um, but once her mom dies, she starts to self-destruct. She practically becomes an alcoholic. I don't know if she actually was or if she just was pretty close to that. She's She definitely binges. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if she was, I don't know if she was addicted, but she definitely is a binge drinker. Right. She was a binge drinker and she used it like medicine. So she was self-medicating with alcohol and also with bulimia. So she moves from anorexia when she's younger to bulimia because she can eat whatever she wants and then she just throws it up and it's like never happened. Um, And then she's probably raped. She has this really cavalier way of like saying really big deal things. Uh, I think it's definitely rape. Like she is very drunk to the point where she has blacked out and comes to and he's performing (laughs) uh and so like there's definitely consent or there's definitely not straightforward consent happening um which as the mother of a son trying to keep my son from being you know whatever uh I'm very much like, nope, this is clearly not consensual. <laughs> so to me, I'm like, there's no, yeah, she's, when a person is so drunk that they can't hold themselves up, that is not consent. Okay, so then she meets Stephen, who is also a musician. He's like part of her band, I think. He's a little closer to her age, but still a few years older. Uh, he convinces her to go with therapy, which she eventually quits because the therapist is like, hey, let's talk about your mom. And she's like, no, my mom's fucking perfect. And like refuses to talk about her mom. Um, and then eventually Stephen finds Jesus and then becomes Jesus. Yeah, he has his own mental issues. So they're just this mentally unstable couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, for a while which is interesting yeah they were like compatible in the fact that they were both not healthy <laughs> um but like at least we like there was good or bad in that relationship she you know he got her to step into therapy and then he himself is like i don't need therapy and then becomes jesus anyway uh and then they're like oh yeah he's a schizophrenic and she's like oh okay um, and then her spinoff show gets canceled because the director is creepy and Nickelodeon tries to offer a hush money, um, which she refuses. And I was like, yes, don't take the money. She was like, I'm taking your hush money. And they're like, well, it's not hush money. She's like, that's what it is. They don't want me to talk about what happened at Nickelodeon. That's hush money. And no, I'm not taking it. Yes. And then 
her dad tells her he, he's not her real dad. He informs her that she and two of her brothers, like the two middle brothers, she's the youngest. So I think the oldest is the only one that's her dad. Her dad's biological dad, kid. Um, and I guess her dad has known this whole time and still stuck around with the mom. Uh, and then she steps away from acting and... Um, um, and then she realizes through all of this that, like, she actually needs help. So she finds a good therapist. They work through her emotional damage done by her mother and um, the bulimia. And so, and it's hard, but it's it's helpful. So I think it's because, like, her teeth start to fall out and she's like, this is a problem. Like yes. she starts to realize, like she, I think she like, I don't know. Bulimia is rough. Bulimia is hard. Yeah. And then Miranda Cosgrove calls her and is like, hey, we're doing a spinoff. And she's just like, nope. And they're like, it's lots of money. And she's like, nope. And that is her big like finale of like not acting ever again. Yep. And and what's really awesome is that here is where she steps into her power and is really like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't have to please anyone anymore. I want to be a writer. And she becomes a writer. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the book. Um, and I, I wanted to really dive deep on this book into some of the topics that are covered. So, um, let's start off with being a Mormon. Cause that's like the first thing that comes yeah. up. Well, I feel what? like we should disclose April and I have very close ties to Mormonism. So a lot of our views are going to be very subjective from our experience. I, uh, my mom joined the church when I was about four. And so I was raised in it. Um, and then we did overlap a little in college. You joined the church as an adult um, as I was sort of starting my deconstruction journey, uh, and I am no longer in the church and you, um, I joined the church when we were roommates and, um, you were part of that journey with me. Um, and then since becoming a mother and a more aware woman, I definitely struggle with I like Jesus. Um, I don't like patriarchal hierarchical structures down with the patriarchy. Um, so yeah, so we're coming at this from a very different perspective than maybe many people who are not members or not familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, which could be a good thing and a bad thing because we're coming at it from like actually having the experience of it. But also we are going to have our own subjective feelings about and it is a very like complex thing that people who did not grow up in a religious background have a hard time like understanding this sort of complex relationship of sometimes I like defend things about like practices about the church or like culture but a lot of times I'm like yeah no that's weird um so yeah, so that is that's sort of our disclaimer slash disclosure about our relationship with Mormonism and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, which honestly, like, I don't, I'm surprised anyone has converted to the church with a name so freaking long. 
Hey, I mean, some people didn't really have a choice. You turn eight, you're a Mormon. Um, okay, so we don't need to get into on this episode, but um, so first of all, the first reference we get is it's Jeanette's sixth birthday party, and there's a boy who can't like pink because he's gay, and you can't be Mormon and gay. I love the way she introduces it. It's so funny. Like, it's just so funny to me because, like, I I sort of caught that she might be a little bit before that, but only because I grew up Mormon and she mentions primary class at church, which, like, I've never heard another, like, Christian sect refer to the children's class as primary. So, like, that clocked me. I was like, oh, okay. But then the way she just, like, it's so... Like, she brings this in and, like, kind of throws shade at church. But it's so, like you said, just cavalier about how she mentions it. She's like, there's no reason for her to mention that boy like that. Like, other than to be like, oh, yeah, I was Mormon. Um, Which is, like, that's the way I always kind of was growing up being, like, a lot of my friends were non-members. And I just, like, going out in public, I just, like, didn't really mention it until someone brought it up or it, like, became relevant. Um, And I also think my son loves the color pink, too. And now I think of this book every time. Um, He loves pink and, like, mermaids and rainbows. He also loves trucks. So, and dinosaurs. Again, why do we have to make that disclaimer? It's okay if a boy likes pink and mermaids. I know. But it was just funny the way that she says it. I, I think it's great. And and she's Mormon, but like kind of. Second tier. But- you know, she gets into this like relationship with the church um, that's like, well, we go to church when we want something from Heavenly Father. So basically her mom gets cancer and they start going to church because they need the blessings. Um, and that's kind of really the relationship. And everyone's like, well, you can't say we go to church when we want something. Um, but she's like, well, I mean, that's what we're doing, right? We're going to church because we want something. And then once her cancer goes away, they like basically peter out and stop going. Uh, and like, it's interesting because she really actually loves going to church. Um, and I get that. So she just doesn't, she likes she just doesn't like being at home. She prefers church to being home. Her mom is a hoarder. Uh, her family is not very nice to each other. Um, and like my family was not nearly as bad as hers. But I liked going to church because everyone in church always told me how smart and like respectful I was and like were always praising me and I just like loved that so much. I felt like at home I just wasn't noticed unless I was doing something wrong. <laughs> and so I also loved going to church. I was I was a first tier Mormon, which she talks about. Um, I went every week. I was I spoke at seminary graduation. I was like always in the young women's presidencies and one of the leaders. Um, so it's it's funny because she says like the um, and she gets into young women's so like you'll never be in the presidency because they need the girls that are always going to be here and I'm like that's hilarious because I was the first year Mormon where it's like oh I was one of the girls you could count on not in the church anymore <laughs> well and I think that's fairly normal I've noticed a lot of the people from our generation are doing that really it's like we try so hard to be everything that we're supposed to be and check out the list and then we realized that like, what's even the freaking point? 
Um, and so uh, the other thing is she develops OCD during her like um, auditions and stuff when she like prays and I've never received an answer. And then I got the answer. You need to go into the bathroom and like flex your waistband three times and turn around and say whatever, like really crazy things that is clearly not the Holy Ghost. It's clearly her brain trying to gain control over her life, which she has no control over. I think that's another great thing. Like, she's so good at just, like, introducing things that you're like, is this? And then you're like, oh, yeah. Where she's like, she goes in there and she's like, the Holy Ghost told me to, like, flick my race band five times and this will go well. And I was like, oh, that sounds like OCD. <laughs> and then, like, a few pages later, she's like, oh, it was OCD. I just didn't know it yet. And it's like, she's so good at that. Just, like, throwing in this little detail that you're like, I think this is what that is. But if you don't know, you wouldn't catch it. And then yeah. she, which I, I love writing that is not on the nose. And so like, I love getting to like, oh, I think that's what it is. And like, I love writing that's basically the people who are going to get it are going to get it. And everyone else is dumb. That, that That's on brand for you. Um, and, and it's just funny that she says, well, it's not OCD if it's the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, nope. It's still OCD. Um, and this is why religion, <laughs> this is one of those reasons why religion can can be harmful is like, it gives you explanations for things that do not align with reality. And to be fair, if we look at all of history, a lot of stuff that they're like, it's God. It's like LSD or like some hallucinogen. It's like everyone was licking arsenic and like, yeah lead was in everything it explains a lot about the past when you realize that everything just had like arsenic in it and like lsd was in a bunch of stuff on accident well and it's just it just goes to show you that like religion when done right makes you a better person religion when done wrong causes huge issues so so yeah so there's this whole mormon theme underlying everything her relationship with the church is so funny because she's like not all the way in but it still like pervades a lot of her decisions where she's like i can't drink coffee and then she drinks tea i can't have sex but she does other things and then and then she does it and then yeah and so it's like a even though she's like not all the way in those things still pervade through everything she says um and even the way she feels about her body which is something we're going to get into next so you know um this quote i worry great means sexual it's just the way that mormonism teaches women and girls to feel about their bodies that you know if we are in a bikini well you have to be careful because you don't want the men to get bad thoughts that is not my damn job. Yeah. Control your own mind. If I see a super hot man who's like all muscly and he's running and he's sweaty, I go, hmm. And then I can look away. Look at that. Men are not animals who can't control their brains. That is just an excuse we give them. You know what? I saw, I saw, I don't think it was a tweet that was like, that pointed out like men who are physically abusive people men who in domestic violence 
it's not that they can't control themselves because they aren't doing that. When they get mad at other people in public, when they get mad at their bosses or their male coworkers, they don't beat the shit out of them. So like they do have control. <laughs> they can control themselves. Because it gives them more power because then you're like, oh, but he loves me. Okay, that's a topic for another time. Um, okay, so now we're we're gonna kind of move away from the religious discussion and into her mother and her mother's abuse. Let's call it what it is. Her mother abused her emotionally, physically, mentally. I mean, it was pure abuse. Um, Yeah. Yet another thing that she sort of talks about and then just like casually and you're like, "Mm, that seems off. Uh, And then (laughs) like, that's not, that seems a little bit unnormal. Yeah. Um, So first of all, I want to address that her mother is likely bipolar. Did she get diagnosed or did we just know that her mother was bipolar? I don't think her mom ever gets diagnosed. Her mom is also incredibly narcissistic. And so she probably would never get diagnosed because she doesn't think anything's wrong with her. Yeah. Um, So her mother has bipolar disorder. Um, She has a lot of other issues as well. She is hoarding. Um, stuff makes her feel comfortable. So her whole family, they have a house and her whole family sleeps on mats on the living room floor because there is no space for beds. Her family slept on the floor. So in order to have breakfast, they had to move their beds, pull out a table and eat on that and then fold it up. Um, but really the most important part of this is that her mom has bipolar disorder. I think not just bipolar disorder. She has a myriad of disorders. Oh, she is a cocktail of fun. Yes. Anytime I read um, literature about mental health, I I have been diagnosed as um, having bipolar disorder. I also have PTSD. I also have oppositional defiance. Like, I I am also a cocktail of fun. However... Um, I have used that and sought help and used that to become a better human being. Bipolar disorder only becomes a huge problem when you refuse to seek help or admit that there's an issue. I understand that everyone has a different, like varying experience with mental health. Um, however, I think if you actively seek treatment, it's hard I'm not going to say it's easy. It's very difficult. You have to find a psychiatrist and then you have to find one that works for you. But if you can just get the help you need, you can live a fairly normal life. Because of her mother's bipolar disorder and narcissism, um, there's a lot of issues that come there. The mother and the father, who's not really her dad, have a lot of issues. Um, Her mother's very verbally abusive, like, get out, and I'm doing so much. The poor dad. (laughs) Like, the dad is sort of made out to be just, like, this bumbling... Like, he's he's sort of like the stereotypical sitcom dad who's just, like, this bumbling idiot that doesn't do anything or, like, helpful. And I'm, like, the whole time I was like, I feel so bad for this dad. Like, he's trying... Like, he's staying with this woman who kicks him out regularly. She's emotionally abusive to him. He's working like three jobs and and she's not no and 
And then we find out he's been raising these kids that he knows aren't his. And I'm just like, wait, this whole time the dad was just like made out to be this like terrible person. And it's like, no, he was like, I, I'm like, I don't know how he stayed. Other than, I don't know, their mom was super manipulative. So I'm sure she had some way of keeping him around. So so the mom has lots of issues. Um, she's also putting those issues on her kids. So she, the mother, bathes Jeanette and gives her vaginal and breast exams in the shower, like daily, for years. Well, she uses the excuse that she's checking for cancer. And then we find out it's not just Jeanette. It's also the brothers. And they're like into their teenhood. And she will bathe the kids together. <laughs> so, I I mean, I have a son and a daughter. One, four, one, two. Almost five. One, two. And yes, they have baths together because they're tiny human beings. My and brother and I bathed together until I was like eight. He's almost five years younger than me. And like, yeah, that's normal. It's fine. Bodies are bodies. It's okay. Um, but there comes a point where they no longer can do that. And that mother clearly did not understand that. But yeah, she was molesting her children. And again, this is one of those things that Jeanette just references. And then later on, she like goes through that trauma response where she's like, oh, and my mom just did this. And then she like blacks out the whole experience. Um, and, and really the first time I remember texting you and I was like, uh, she molests her children. And then later I was like, oh, I can't, I can't. Yeah. So she, the first time she mentions it, that her mom bathes her, she's like six or seven. So you kind of are like, yeah, I, I mean, sure. I get it. And then you find out that she keeps doing it. And then later on, she brings in that, like, she's like 12 and her brother's like 16 and her mother is bathing them together like showering them together and at that point you're like oh my gosh like you have this moment as a reader to be like no like this is molestation like and I think it's so interesting that she does this where she like mentions something because it's normal for her like this this trauma response I mean and accepting abnormal as normalcy because when you're a kid what happens in your own home you think is normal and if you're not seeing other people's families, like you don't recognize what's normal and not normal. Um, and like her mother homeschools them. And so they have their only real outside socialization is at church, which is, I think, another reason why Jeanette likes it. But she also doesn't have any friends because her mom is like so controlling and so like it she doesn't make her mom to seem sort of she doesn't vilify her mom at all in the first little bit right it's only us as readers that are sort of getting this because it's abnormal to us right her mom will be like what did her mom told her like girlfriends are just there to steal your husband and men are just there to have sex with you um and so she doesn't have friends um she doesn't go to school there doesn't seem to be any oversight right that that's one of the things that um, often comes up a lot with homeschooling is the schools, teachers at schools are mandated reporters, so they will catch uh, abuse. Some, a lot of times nothing happens. I have a friend who's a social worker and she's just like, it's actually really hard to get your kids taken away um, for some people. Um, and 
and and I have a lot of friends who are teachers and they are they have to report these things. But if your kids aren't in front of other adults and other mandated reporters, all this stuff goes unnoticed. Um, if she had been going to school, maybe her anorexia would have been caught a lot earlier. Uh, so this is something that like, um, and this is Germany doesn't allow homeschooling. And that is one of the reasons there's no oversight on what the parents are doing. Anyway, um, so she has, you know, she accepts sort of these things as normal and only us as outsiders. We sort of go with her like, I guess this is not that bad. It's a little weird. And like we all have a moment of like realization. And then that is sort of her moment of realization, too, of like this is not normal. And again, normalcy, I think, happens on a bell curve. Most of us are sort of in a specific range of normalcy but there are extremes on either end uh and yeah so she's you know she kind of she just has this great way of like bringing us in and we're like okay a little weird my mom wouldn't do that and they're like nope this is (laughs) red flags are going off everywhere um and just her trauma response to being like this happens I guess this is just like happening now. I'm going to just pretend that it's not and look away. Um, one of the other ways that the mom is abusing her daughter. Um, so this, she's Jeanette is the only daughter in this family. And so once she starts going through puberty, she's like, oh, my gosh, I have boobs. Again, Mormonism, boobs equals bad equals men thinking about me equals men want to have sex with me. I don't want that. So her mom, she goes to her mom and she's like, mom, I have boobs. And she's like, yay, you're becoming a woman. Here's anorexia. She doesn't call it that. Well, because she's like, well, I don't want, I don't want the boobies. Like, how do I make them go away? Because she's like, I don't want to be a grown up because her mom is like so invested in her being a child and all of her roles are child's roles. And like, I kind of get that. Like, I think... We sometimes when when so much of your when so much of your life is based on like being pure and childlike, the idea of becoming an adult is terrifying. And like I also was like, oh, I remember getting boobs and being like, oh no, like, what do I do? Uh, my first period, I didn't actually mention it for like a month, and then the next one, I was like, I can't just keep shoving toilet paper in my pants, <laughs> and I like awkwardly told my mom like I was like inflamed like so embarrassed to tell my mom and I was just like I think I started my period and it was just like such an embarrassment and I remember again I was also very small and didn't develop until high school and so like I didn't really get boobs until I was like 15 and I remember like I was in color guard so I was wearing not even like tight it was just like a little more form-fitting and one of my guy friends, just like off the cuff, not at all sort of predatory, was just like, oh, you look good in that. Like, you have a nice figure. I'm sure he said that because I always was like frumpy. And he was like, oh, you actually are like. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, one, super flattered. Two, I was like, what is my dad going to think? <laughs> like, that was my first thought was like, my parents are going to be so disappointed that I look like a woman. <laughs> That is so, so sad. I think about this and I look at my daughter who is almost five and she already knows what a period is, what a menstrual cup is, um, that she has a vagina and that someday a baby might come out of that vagina. I know. And this is like something from 
like I am trying also to like deconstruct to like I have a son so I'm sort of like coming at this from a different perspective like I want him to understand those things too but like I also have to like overcome that so much like even when my husband and I were first together I was very like I never wanted to tell him about my you know my menstrual cycle and so like I still like sometimes well like my son will say something and my first instinct is to be like no don't talk about it and then you know and then he was like what happened to your penis and I'm like I don't feel like I should talk about this. But then I'm like, no, you have to tell him. Like, not everyone has a penis. And we're going to call it by the right thing. We will never get in, you know, an experience where if my daughter has to tell me that someone touched her inappropriately, that she will say some weird word. It will be, mom, this is where it was because she knows those things. And it's important to me that we have those conversations. Um, Yeah, we grew up calling them calling our parts words in a different language so like that's what the, they're called in that language like my mom is half chamorro so from guam and so we used the chamorro words for stuff growing up hmm. i guess is, then people wouldn't know what you were talking about but you yeah could talk so about people it. didn't know but then like if you're in mainland america and your kid's trying to tell you right yeah not helpful so hmm. If you're multilingual, make sure you teach your kids the right words in every language. Yeah. So, you know, there's just there's just a lot about, you know, her body that Jeanette is not comfortable with. And so her mom introduces this calorie restriction, I think is what it was called. And she's what, 10? She's very, uh, very no. 13? 10, 12, I don't know. She's... She's young. I don't know. I feel like I hit puberty late, so I don't know. She she's young. So so her mom's like, look, and it was a thing that they could bond over, right? A thing that Jeanette could control and that she and her mom could like become buddies about. Your children are not your best friend. Sorry, you can be your kid's best friend. Your kid is not your best friend. You don't get to um try to shape who they are in a way that is like, well, I didn't get to act, so now you have to act. That is not what good parenting is. I think there's a wide range of what it means to be a good mom. There's also a wide, a very narrow range of what it means to be a bad mom. Most of us fall into the, you're a good mom. Again, bell curve of normalcy. Right. The best thing you can do for your kid is to teach them how to live without you. It is not their job to make you happy. It is not their job to um, be the person you tell your secrets to. That's why you have girlfriends. It or your husband, if you are one of those people. I think, well, I think also on the flip side of that, because my parents always used to be the like, we're not your friends. We're your parents. Uh, you like you should be friendly with your kids to the point where they feel comfortable telling you stuff. Jeanette and her mom. Even though they're like, buddy, buddy, Jeanette hides so much shit from her mom. Um, And so, like, that's, right. like, no, you're not your kid's best friend. But also, like, I think, so I am a teacher. Like, I'm an instructor, right? Like, I don't care if my students like me. I don't care if my colleagues like me. Um, That's not my job to make them like me. But it makes my job a lot easier if they do. So, I mean, I'm just me. And I do things that are compassionate. I try to have compassion for them. And it's the same with my kid. Like 
I don't need him to like me in order to parent him, but it is going to make my job as a parent and as an instructor and as a wife and as a friend much easier if I am likable. So like if you open up the avenues for them to feel comfortable with you and coming to you, but also, you know, having boundaries and from yourself, having boundaries for your kid. Well, and and here's the thing is like growing up, I feel like my mom was my best friend. She was a safe person to talk to, but I was not her best friend. She didn't tell me all the things. And I think there's a, like you were saying, there's a balance there. I should hope that I am my children's best buddy, best friend. I want them to tell me all the things. I want them to tell me everything. Well, not everything, but like just in general, like I want my kids to come with me to me with their concerns. Like I am a guiding figure. I am their, like I am their friend. Um, and eventually that will lead into when I'm, when they're adults that we can be friends, right? I would like to believe that my mom and I are now friends. Um, we didn't used to be, and there were some rough years in there, but we are, but we are friends and I can tell her things and have her like, listen and be like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. And it like this weird relationship, she, codependent relationship she has with her mom really affects every other relationship she has. And like, I have to give a shout out to Miranda Cosgrove. Like, I never really thought that much about Miranda Cosgrove, but like, she seems like an awesome person, right? Like she reached out to Jeanette, right? Like she gives she gives Jeanette like $200 or something, right? As their like meeting gift. And Jeanette's like, I got her this fuzzy pen or whatever. And she's like, this is horrifying. And she's not going to think I'm cool. And Miranda just like so graciously is like, thanks. Maybe I'll start journaling again. And it's like so sweet about it. And they stay really good friends. And Miranda becomes like the healthy, like the healthy person in her life that like starts to show her there's a better way to live. Um. And like, so really important to find friends who find those friends, um, find those people who like, you know, solidify you. But because her mentality about her body is so fucked up, uh, she has a really rough time with romantic relationships. It was just painful to read some of these um the way that you know this older guy is like i love you you're amazing you're beautiful and when you don't get that at home that like you're so cool um then then you're going to look for it in different places it's one of the things that child predators and abusers look for is someone who doesn't get that at home because and like her mom never prepared her for this right she was very much like just don't even talk to boys Mm -hmm. um and that is dangerous too like i also got that too i was like whatever i'm gonna do it anyway like i wasn't even allowed to like have guys drive me home like uh if before i was 16 so it was like if i was i couldn't go to a party even with multiple people if there was going to be someone of the opposite sex there that wasn't like that didn't live in the household which I did. I went to a birthday party when I was like in fifth grade and like three boys came. There were like six girls. Three boys came and they went home like they didn't stay the night. And one of them was somebody I went to church with. And I did not tell my parents. 
that's about it. And then in high school, I was like 14, 15. Um, I had my best friend also lived down the street from one of our other friends and he had all the boys stay at his house and she had all the girls stay at her house. And we like hung out that night. Didn't tell my parents about that either. But like nothing was happening. Um, but yes, then it like, you know, it got weird. I also wasn't super interested in like dating in high school. I was very focused on like, I want to get out of here. Um, but then, yeah, like I got to where I was in a like I could start dating and I was like I don't know how to do this <laughs> like I just feel very weird around men and stuff the way that her mom sort of controls her and is like men just want to have sex with you and she like doesn't explain like how to set boundaries she doesn't explain like what is good and what is bad you know like the fact that like grown men should not be attracted to you um, other people should not be touching your parts. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't really like ever sit her down and explain that. That you need to sit down and have a birds and the bees talk of like, this is healthy and this is normal. I think while you're watching a movie and there's an issue there, you can be like, hey, this isn't really healthy. Um, my children are not at that age yet. But I think by the time your kids are watching PG-13 movies, you don't need to sit down with your kids and be like, this is the birds and the bees. Let's talk about safe relationships. You should be having that conversation at various levels throughout. And you might not know how to do it. And it might feel awkward to you, but just do it anyway. I mean, even uh, just modeling it because her parents also don't have a good relationship. And so she has no model for that. Um, and so any you know, anytime she gets this like in intimate touch she's just like this is amazing like i gotta have more of this because she's right. not she doesn't see how it should be and because there is no intimacy in their family that is healthy and normal yeah, it's just you know when your family is not and again i think there's varying degrees of everything right my family is not perfect but i will tell you that i found a good man and that was because of the relationship between my parents and my grandparents. If things are not great at home, you can't expect your children to learn from everyone else. Um, and hopefully if things are not great at home, they are learning from someone else, but you can't control that. And so it's just best to like, if you're in an abusive relationship and someone tells you you're trash all the time, leave. If you are in an abusive relationship and sometimes he hits you, or she hits you, leave. Um, because this is generational stuff. And and it's more important to save your children. Like that dad should have left and gotten the children. I bet the mom probably was like, if you leave, I'll kill myself. Or if you leave, this or that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. He was crazy. And she was constantly saying weird things cockamamie things but yeah another thing of like parents being like i know you and it's like no you don't <laughs> because she's like i your acting's your favorite thing and she's like no it isn't she's like if you quit you know she uses her white lady tears to get oh my gosh can we talk about the fact that the, her mom uses her uh cancer as a badge like 
she's always like, I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to be in here, but I had stage four cancer. And so I shouldn't be outside in the sun. And like, not to say cancer isn't hard and it's something worth like fight, you know, like fighting for and like acknowledging that, right? Like acknowledging people's disabilities and acknowledging intersectionality. But her mom just like freaking uses it. She's no, she's in remission by then. And she just like uses it. She's already a manipulative person. So it's like already also another thing for her to manipulate her family. Like she watches, she makes her kids watch that video about what is it when she's like has cancer or like her goodbye video and like makes her kids watch it and she really wants attention. That's what she was. And I read that too. And I was like, you know what? I kind of understand this on a little bit level of like not having the appropriate attention uh i used to sort of imagine like the bad things happening to me (laughs) so that like people would that my parents would like have pity on me or like realize that i i don't know but i would just be like what if i just got kidnapped or like (laughs) what if i just got cancer and they just had to focus all their time on me yeah Sometimes I'm like, if I died, I wonder if people would come to my funeral. And like, what would they say? But also, I'd like to live. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, it's just the, the whole book, it, you know, it's it's written well, but it is it is a ride and it is not one I enjoyed. Um, I did listen to this book because it is not fiction. And I like to read fiction. I prefer to listen to biography and head cerebral books. Um, but yeah, it, it you know, oh, and the other thing is, here's my main takeaway that I keep thinking about after reading this book is like the danger of living through your children and not allowing women to pursue their own goals. You're, the danger of making your kids responsible for making you happy. It is not their damn job to make you happy. You control your emotions. You are in charge of your own emotions. It's not their job. It's not anyone else's job. You get to, and I know it's hard sometimes and I lose my shit sometimes too, but like it is not anyone else's job to make you happy. Yeah. And I think this is again why it's so important that women do have an outlet that is just for them that puts them as an individual Uh, It keeps you from sort of like trying to live vicariously through your children. Um, And like how much better might her mom's life have been if she had gotten to pursue what she wanted to? I mean, Hollywood is also pretty destructive on mental health. And so I don't know, she might have not done better. But um, right, like if her mom had had an outlet, she she might have been better about this. But instead, she's trying to live through her child. Yeah, I, yeah, it was just hard. And, um, you know, my, my daughter said to me recently, she said, mom, are you like, I want you to be happy. And I just looked at her and I said, honey, that is not your job. I said, you get to do what you want to do because it makes you happy. You, it's not your job to make me happy because honestly, like, my job is to find those things. I am learning to knit again. I'm working on my cross-stitching. I have this podcast. Um, there are plenty of things that I do that are going to make me happy. 
I get upset, sure, but it's not your job to fix that. I, I kind of, I like to say this of like, my hope is I, I don't want my son to ever feel obligated to me. Like, I don't want him to feel obligated to take care of me in my old age or whatever. But I hope that I raise him in a way that he wants to do that and not out of just pure obligation. Um, And so like, that is, that's sort of my goal as parent, right? Have him learn how to live on his own and be independent um, without expectation from me. And then like on my side, I just hope that we have a relationship where he does feel safe um, coming to me and he feels like he wants to be around me and not out of some social obligation. Yeah. Yep. I would echo that. I'm not trying to raise well-behaved children. I'm raising functional adults. Okay. So um, that. That's glad my mom died. I know it is a pretty. I feel like people love it or hate it. Uh, I learned a lot about Jeanette McCurdy. I kind of like her now. I'm like, girl, get it right. Like before, I was like, oh, this is some unknown Nickelodeon. But after reading this book, I'm like, girl, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And now I'm slightly, almost obsessed with her because she's a rock star. Mm Um, yeah, and so. It's one of those books that I think it's important to read. I I think also some people are like, I don't like this because it's not well written. Um, I think people just like also don't understand writing. So she also wrote this book herself. A lot of celebrities have a ghostwriter and that's why it like sounds so good is they actually have a professional writer writing their book and she doesn't. And I think like people often don't recognize that with celebrity books uh also memoir is like a, a different beast than a, a lot of other things um and then i think this was also like a sort of cathartic therapeutic thing for her and so it's like it's not for you like it's not for you to i don't know it, it, i think it was mostly for her and i think it is something that we can see and look at importantly in society again right like child stars um, things we need to be aware of, right? Like all of that stuff. Because um, she brings in a lot of stuff that's not just about her mom's abuse, but like what it is to be a child star in Hollywood, all the things that are going on behind doors. Uh, so I, yeah, again, I think it's an important book. Um, I think it's one of those books you experience once and never read again. Uh, maybe just listen to this podcast and never read the book. That would probably be... <laughs> that would probably be uh acceptable as well um but yeah i got the audiobook i will never own this book aside from the audio version yeah so uh be sure to like and subscribe to our podcasts you can find us on instagram twitter and threads at bitch mom book pod uh, you can also email us at bmomsbookclub at gmail. Um, and yeah, just be on the lookout for those. And thanks for joining us today. Have a great day.